Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, and everyone who had a terrific July 4th. Hi, folks, and welcome back to The Larry Miller Show. I'm Larry Miller, but in a way, aren't we all? And yes, we are. And I'm just feeling jolly because, yet the music did it to me again. I love that music. Makes me happy and ready. And I hope it has the same effect on you. That's, of course, the Jim Dunker Orchestra and the Tina Louise Jones Dancers, featuring boy tenor C.R. Galarza asking the musical question, If technology is supposed to make our lives easier, why is it so difficult to use? Well, C.R., that's a dandy question. It's very good. It's a heck of a question. And first of all, if technology, think of it, folks, if technology is supposed to make our lives easier, why is it so difficult to use? C.R., you have just learned the most important lesson in the world. What makes our lives easier? Nothing. Okay? Nothing. Whatever you buy doesn't make your life easier. The only one it makes life easier for is the people whose lives are to sell you the technology. Nothing wrong with that, but if you keep buying it, you won't you shouldn't be surprised that your life doesn't get easier. It gets more annoying. And the the, the only way guaranteed to make life easier, family, God, and way too much drinking. That's the only things that make life easier. And ultimately, not that easy. But it's a it's a very good question. Why is tech? What in the world is technology? By the way, I actually don't know. It, it doesn't make things easier. I, I don't think. But what is it? What are the things that I still think I've never seen something advertised on TV, for instance, that chops vegetables, that chops onions and celery. I like chopping onions and celery. I don't need a device to do it. That doesn't make my life better. And I'm not I'm not standing there weeping when I'm when I'm chopping an onion. Sure, it's it's nice to know that's a good part of onions though. It's nice to know you're alive just like everyone else on the earth. If you chop an onion, I know there's a way to avoid crying that if you you chop a certain end off first, I can't even remember, but I think it's fun to chop an onion. I think the things that need to be chopped, again, like celery, I think chopped fruit is great. My kids don't eat it, but then they have to have me glaring at them the whole day. But I uh, I don't think that technology is supposed to make our lives easier. My car is a new car. Well, it's a couple of years old, but I don't think the technology on that car makes my life easier. It beeps and rings and whistles. It has so many sounds it makes when you back up. So many bells that go off. Warning, warning, Will Rogers. You know, warning. It's not, it's not Will Rogers, is it? <laughs> Boy, he was great, though, folks. But uh, warning, Will Robinson. Whew. Boy, I, I almost passed out there. There's there's nothing that makes your life easier in technology. You know what? I'd love it if car horns were still on the silver ring that went around the shape of the car, uh, the wheel rather, that when you're in the car, you could really, t- first of all, you could tap those. You could go, bap, bap. You could really just to let someone know 
keep moving, come on, let's go, or, you know, the light's green or whatever it is. I don't like the way you have to press one. There's no way to tap or beep the horns now. They have to be pressed with a thumb, and that sounds like a cannon going off. And you know what? I, so I, I, there's no technology on cars that I think has made my life easier. I think I've had this theory for a long time, and I believe it still. If we want to make the best cars in the world, everyone should have a 57 Chevy. Now, you don't need an original 57 Chevy that's been maintained beautifully, but you know what? If the General Motors Corporation, the Chevrolet unit of the General Motors Corporation, just made 57 Chevys again, they've got the the plans somewhere. They've got to have them on a shelf somewhere. Well, you know what? Make 57 Chevys. Make them with all the devices we have today. Not the life is easier devices, but, you know, make them safer and uh, just right. And the lights go on like this and that. I, I, I still would love to just touch with my toe that little switch, the little round switch on the floor of the driver's side that turned the brights on. I can't control the brights now. They come on even when I'm on a windy road like Beverly Glen in my area. And it goes up three miles and down two miles. And when I'm on that, it really winds. It's a canyon road. When I take that road at night, you know what? Those brights just come on. And I don't want them on. But meanwhile, when you're going 20 to 35 miles an hour on very windy roads, that's not the time to start worrying about where the lever is on the steering wheel that turns the brights off. If you did worry about that, then you might just go sliding right off the cliff and drop a thousand feet, which would turn you off. In any case, though, you know what? Good question, CR. But uh, if technology is supposed to make our lives easier, why is it so difficult to use? Well, nothing makes our lives easier. And it's important that technology makes our lives a little more difficult because it can remind us that we're the only ones in charge of the easier part. Now, by the way, the Tina Louise Jones Dancers, it's a great name and it made me smile Because, Tina, I don't know you yet, but, well, Tina Louise is the name of the actress from Gilligan's Island. She played Ginger, the movie star. And Gilligan's Island is still on in my area here. Oh, a lot. They run it two or three times in a row. And uh, then the later ones are in color. But you know what? I always loved Tina Louise. I always thought, wow, she's, she's all dolled up. And uh, it never bothered me, by the way, that, hey, where did she get all those gowns when they were just going out for a three-hour tour? Well, maybe she thought just in case there might be a big wealthy producer on the boat. Turns out there was Thurston Howell. But I loved Tina Louise, and I still do. And yeah, they dolled her up, and they put a bunch of makeup on her, but I think she was terrific. And every time I see her, I still think, holy mackerel, you're a gorgeous woman. And by the way, Marianne was uh, terrific, too. She they had her as a different kind of beautiful, I think. Dawn Wells was her name, I think. And uh, 
She was, God bless her, you know, she was just adorable. So uh, one thing's for sure, uh, you know, if if I were one of the folks on the minnow, and I, if I were one of the folks who was, well, stranded on that island too, and I wanted to get off that island and get back to everything I love here on the mainland, I definitely would do that. But just to spend some close, intimate time with, well, Don Wells and Tina Louise, who I just loved, just to spend more time with those on my own, I'm afraid I would have to kill all the other fellas. And I I think it's been proven that that, that wouldn't have hurt me getting off the island. They couldn't quite get them off the island. I don't want to kill them, by the way, and they didn't have a volcano on that island that I could see. And as you know, I like volcanoes here on Milleronia. But Tina Louise, Tina Louise Jones Dancers, God bless you and good luck to you in all things. But boy, oh boy, Tina Louise, those names made me smile because she was so wonderful. I hope she's still well. And by Amazon. That's right. Amazon and PayPal and my book and Colonel Jeff's show. And Amazon's still the greatest company in the world. You can get anything in the world you want there. Except, of course, for an actual Amazon. If you can do that, if you can figure out a way to do that, first of all, good for you. Second of all, call us immediately here. Call me and the colonel at the show, because we would like to see your Amazon, believe me, just as much as you would. So if you're looking for a tall, muscular, lovely, vibrant, sexy woman in kind of a jungle outfit, I guess they wore, and you'd like her to be an Amazon, we'd like you to get that too. As soon as you do, call us. We'll come over. Immediately, just to make sure she's an Amazon, and just to test her before you do, just to make sure you're going to be okay, and just to make sure we're going to be okay. But in any case, an Amazon, that's a great place to go. They do three things better than anyone. Number one, anything you imagine, they can get you. Number two, anything you order they can bring to you, which is how they make a living. And number three, the most important thing they do that's wonderful is they send me and the colonel a percentage of whatever you order. And we put that money toward our next big fancy fried chicken dinner, which is getting closer and closer. We don't know exactly when it's going to be, but I can tell you that it's going to be. And maybe Dr. Chris We'll be finished with his clog dancing classes there at the University of Solvang. And he's gonna be he's gonna be just aces at clog dancing, by the way. He's he does everything well. And uh, boy, he's gonna he's gonna dance up some clogs there. And you know, maybe maybe even at the dinner, if we invite him again, and I think we might. And after a couple of uh, cocktails in a bar we don't go to. We're going to go to a bar for two drinks just before the fried chicken part. And he might wear the clogs there too. We might not be able to sit close to him if he's wearing clogs in some of the bars we go to. And 
he might meet a couple of fellows who, well, punch him out. But he's going to be great at clog dancing. And uh, so thanks. Just just go to Amazon. Don't go to Amazon, though. Come to us. Come to our website at LarryMillerPodcast.com. Who's on the mountain? Tom Mix. <laughs> that is, yeah. Again, if you're another ship, you have to hear that, don't you? You have to say anywhere out in the North Atlantic, you have to say, "What in the world was that?" So, in any case, come to LarryMillerPodcast.com. We have a banner that says Amazon on it. Click our banner, and we will take you to Amazon. Click our banner and then go take a nap on your biggest, comfiest chair in the den, the one where you watch ball games. Take a nap or just relax and we'll be over. Whether it's the middle of the night, we'll come over there and we'll get you to Amazon. And I'm just adding, if you do have an actual Amazon there at the same time, that's a pretty good trip for me and Dr. Jeff. Oh, I said Dr. Jeff. Well, maybe you could be a doctor too, but right now he's... He's Colonel Jeff. That's what that's what he's authorized to be. And by PayPal. That's right. Still the company that makes you feel you're saving the world. And you are. You know what, folks? It's the truth that if it, it, you know what, if you like our show and you'd like to send us a few bucks to help out, and why wouldn't you? You can do it through PayPal. And I don't like the words like donate. Or pay what you like. I, I always like to say, buy us some drinks. That's right. And there are different drinking levels. Levels 1 through 5. All the way up to... We're driving to Florida! <laughs> That's a good night. That was a good show. And uh, But you know what? You can now become a sustaining LMDS member by setting up an automatic monthly contribution. Don't be afraid. That frightened me when I heard it, too. The LMDS, as you know, is the Larry Miller Drinking Society. And you can become a sustaining member. There are five levels here, too. And these are the levels, the names, the nicknames of the drinking levels that you can use through PayPal. Booze Hound, Keg Kaiser... Lieutenant Lampshade, <laughs> Martini Inspector, and Life O the Party. Not Life of the Party. The colonel typed in Life, capital O, apostrophe, Life O the Party. Lieutenant Lampshade made me laugh there because I always wondered my whole life, even when I was a kid, I always remember reading about or hearing about that when some parents on your block or even parents of the kid you knew in, in junior high or high school, when they threw a party, someone was going to put a lampshade on his head in their living room. And and everyone laughed at that, and everyone thought that was great. I, I'm not sure I still understand it. I, I, I'm not sure I get it at all when I was a kid or, or today. You know, oh, all right, Lieutenant Lampshade. So somebody puts a lampshade on his head, and everyone else laughs, and then they all dance, I guess, or play Twister or something. And that's fine with me. I, I'm not making fun of it. I'm just saying that 
I don't know quite where it means or where it came from, but would you have put a lampshade on your head? Would I? I, I don't know. Maybe I would have. Maybe, oh, there's Larry again with the lampshade on his head. <laughs> and good, that would be good if we all laughed at that and then if the buffet was ready or if we just had another drink. In any case, look for the contribution link on our website. Every little bit helps us keep the old leg lamp lit. And thank you. Thanks to everyone who has already contributed, by the way. And... There's something for me here. I have signed hardcover copies of my book, Spoiled Rotten America, and they're now for sale at store.comedyfilmnerds.com. And uh, I say that slowly and loud because why not? That's great. I'm, I'm proud of this book. It's funny. I think you're going to like it a lot. And so please buy one. And that money will also go somewhere where there's chicken and liquor, I think, by the way. I think it's fair to say that. And here's another message from Colonel Jeff's new show, Barracuda Radio. There's a new episode of Colonel Jeff's podcast, Barracuda Radio. It's an interview with drummer and comedian John Worcester. John is the drummer for Super Chunk, the Mountain Goats, and the Bob Mould Band. And he's also half of the comedy team, Sharpling and Worcester. So Barracuda Radio is available on iTunes, Stitcher, or at barracudaradio.com. That was barracudaradio.com. So I and you wish Colonel Jeff good luck on that show. So go listen to it, and you'll help with that luck. And that brings me to my favorite part of the show... The joke of the week. <laughs> Still makes me giggle. All right, the joke of the week. I think this is a good one. Colonel Jeff and I found this on the internet, and here it comes. A guy goes hiking in the mountains, and oh, he's about father age, he's about 40. He does that. He's out there now about an hour or two. He's really trekking along. And folks, in the middle of nowhere, on the path there, he sees an old Indian man sitting there. And so the young fellow comes up to him on his trail and he says, uh, excuse me, but what, what are you doing here? And, uh, and the chief says, I'm here because I have an amazing memory. Any question you ask me, I can answer. Anything at all. And the cost to you is only $3. And he says, you know what, I'm going to do that. And he says, well, chief, thank you. I'm, I'm going to do that. And he takes out $3. He gives them to the Indian sitting there. And he says to him, uh, okay, here's the question. Two years ago, on this very day, what did you have for breakfast? And the chief immediately says, bacon and eggs. And the young man says, how do you like that? He, you really did? Yes, bacon and eggs. Thank you, by the way. I, 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 I wish you well. I'm going to continue with my trek here. But I'm glad we met. And he heads off again. Folks, 50 years later, 
the same guy comes back on the same walk. And there's the same Indian chief sitting there again. And he, then he just stops and holds up his right hand in a greeting and says to the chief, How? And the chief says, Sunny side up. That's a pretty good joke. We like that here. Fifty years later, and the answer to how is sunny side up. The colonel and I hope you like it and hope you like passing it along as part of your Larry Miller Show day. And now, the second favorite part of the show for me... The Poetry Corner. I'm sorry to say that fellow's cough is not getting better. But he's still in it, too. He's just like that chief 50 years later, still just sitting there waiting for someone to come by. The uh, poetry corner is a lot of fun for me because a good poem is like a good joke. It means a lot. We should be glad we have them in our lives. And here's a good one called A Barefoot Boy by James Whitcomb Riley. And he was known as the Hoosier Poet, by the way. He lived from 1849 to 1916. And in case you didn't know offhand, the Hoosier Poet means he's from Indiana. And uh, he was one of his day's best-selling writers. So let's listen to it together. A Barefoot Boy, and here we go. A Barefoot... (coughs) (coughs) Pardon me. A barefoot boy. I mark him at his play, for May is here once more, and so is he. His dusty trousers rolled half to the knee, and his bare ankles grimy, too, as they cross hatchings of the nettle in array of feverish stripes, hint vividly to me of wooden pathways winding endlessly along the creek where even yesterday he plunged his shrinking body, gasped and shook, yet called the water warm, with never lack of joy, and so half enviously I look upon this graceless barefoot and his track, his toe-stubbed eye, his big toenail knocked back, like unto the clasp of an old pocket-book. That's a nice poem, isn't it? From a while ago, a long time ago, in our country here as Americans, when a barefoot boy, how do you like that, was a commonplace thing. By the way, when I saw the title of this poem, it reminded me of something of something I knew when I was a kid in a comic book I read. I I just can't even remember which one, but I think it was one of the bad guys or one of the good guys who thought he was really, oh, hip and intellectual. But suddenly he just recited in the comic book. The character in the comic book just says out loud, barefoot boy with cheeks of tan... What the heck you doing there, man? 
And I never knew what it meant then. And I still don't think I knew what it meant now. But I looked it up. And the colonel looked it up too. There is a poem called The Barefoot Boy by John Greenleaf Whittier. And sure enough, it's from that poem. He has With a Cheek of Tan, Barefoot Boy with Cheek of Tan. And it was apparently, I guess, popular enough that the writer of the comic book had this character say it, or the writer of the comic book just felt like putting it in because he liked it. But either way, that's been in my head for a long time since, well, since I was a barefoot boy with cheeks of tan. Which never happened, by the way, because that's the kind of thing, again, that's so wonderful. At a time in our country in the past, 50, 100, 150 years ago and more, well, boys in the summer would be barefoot. And they would roll their pants up, just like James Whitcomb Riley told us, and and they would go playing. They would have, uh, oh, they'd have little things in their pockets, like a knife and a, a, what do they call that? Oh, a slingshot. He'd have that in his back pocket. And sometimes really adventurous boys would have a frog in the other pocket. And uh, both the pocket and the frog had no idea what he was doing. But that's kind of nice. A barefoot boy or the barefoot boy. It was a very commonplace thing in our country. And... That's what barefoot boys did. That was long before sneakers were invented. And I'm glad they're still in these good poems, Barefoot Boy. So thank you, James Whitcomb Riley, for Barefoot Boy. And thank you, John Greenleaf Whittier, for The Barefoot Boy. I just might be reading you that one someday soon. And the third favorite part of the show for me... M-M-M, the magic movie moment. Three M's. Still the greatest piano note at the end of any song. And uh, this is a good magic movie moment, I think, because it's from something I love, which is Batman. I loved the TV show Batman, and I still do. It's just fun. It's just silly enough and knuckle-headed enough to be fun. And what great actors they had on it. And there was a movie made in 1966 called Batman. It wasn't like the Batman movies today. It was with, well, Adam West and Burt Ward as Batman and Robin. And again, what a cast. Lee Merriweather as Catwoman in the movie. And in the TV show, it was Julie Newmar who is still, oh, just kills me. She was so beautiful and such a good actress, and so was Lee. And Cesar Romero as the Joker and Burgess Meredith as the Penguin, Frank Gorshin as the Riddler with the question marks all over him. I just loved those guys. And uh, Commissioner Gordon and Chief O'Hara, I just, I didn't write their names down, but it always made me laugh more as an adult, that Chief O'Hara, of course, the police chief, had an Irish accent, but a very prominent Irish accent. Not like a killer Irish accent, but I mean, it was it was charming, but he was always, well, that's the way it's going to be, chief. You know, and he was great in it. 
They all were. And in this movie, folks, I can't say it enough. This movie is very funny. If you want to see it one day, I saw it with uh, at the cast party, a rap party for a show my wife was working on as a writer-producer, a TV show, and it did very well. I can't remember the name of the show. Isn't that silly? But I can remember all the writers and producers on it, and they did. There was a theater on Fairfax that used to be just for silent movies, and they rented out the theater for one night, and they had uh, drinks there and a buffet. And uh, buffet was kind of in quotes. I mean, it was a couple of pans of Chinese food, which is fine with me. That's as much of a buffet as anything. But the point is, and they were showing Batman. They were showing this movie. And folks, wow, there must have been 100, uh, 150 folks there, all of us. We howled. And this is all TV people, all comedy writers and comedy people. And we loved it. It was just wonderful. It still is. Please see it sometime. And there's a scene in it that's funny. Again, uh, Colonel Jeff and I just watched it again where Batman has saved the world. He's gotten a bomb. He found a bomb that's lit. And it's a big bomb, too. It's about the size of a, a medicine ball. And and it's lit. It's It's sparking and flaming. And the thing is lit. He picks it up and holds it high over his head, and he's going to save the entire community by getting rid of the bomb. And he heads off with music behind him, and they're on a dock, and he's got to get rid of it somehow. He's got to find the right place. And he runs first to, he turns right into two fellas who are taking a, a canister of gas out of a truck, and it's something in the canister, and he just sort of stops there with his legs. He and he 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 can't throw it at them. And he he turns around and he notices, well, the dock is filled with people at work. And he turns another way and starts to run there. And there's a woman with a baby carriage, and she walks by him. And he well, of course, he can't kill a woman with a baby carriage. And then he, he there, there's there's so many other things that go go wrong there people there's almost someone juggling there you know and he, he just and then my next, my favorite one is he walks by there's a handful of nuns walking down the dock why who knows who cares it doesn't matter he's running again he sees the nuns and uh-oh and he runs away turns around he can't can't throw it at them and he sees finally finally oh thank god he sees a gap in the crowd and it leads to the railing right over the water, and that's the perfect place for it anyway, to throw it in the water. And he does that. He runs, and he runs, and he runs, and he gets to the to the fence there, and just before he throws it, he looks down and sees five baby ducks and their mother just swimming along trying to get by. Baby ducklings and a mother duckling, and he, oh, wow, everything keeps going wrong. And at that point, with the bomb still lit, he turns... And looks at the camera and says, Some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. And he says that, and I'm telling you folks, in that theater we howled. It was so well done, because that's the beauty of Adam West and Burt Ward, number one, and everyone they hired. They all played it absolutely real. They never winked at it. They never thought they were making fun of anything, and they weren't. They were telling their stories. They're good stories about crime and punishment. 
And, folks, it's a terrific movie. Batman from 1966. Please see it if you haven't. See it again if you have. But I'm telling you, that's a great magic movie moment for me. That scene was so good and built so well and was so silly. And when he, this hero of ours, who's trying to save us all, and he's still got the lit bomb over his head, and when he can't find a place to put it, he finally turns to the camera and says, Some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. And by the way, that's probably true. And uh, I suppose I think of that also because my older son, as I've told you, is a Marine, and he came home for the July 4th weekend. It's uh, just a few days ago, and uh, he drove up from his base with four Marine friends. So there were five of them. These were four Marines who couldn't get home themselves. Uh, They're from Ohio, Iowa, Idaho, and Florida. And I liked them very much. My wife and I liked them. And they were going to spend, well, a few nights with us. They were going to spend the July 4th weekend with us. And, wow, we were fine with that. And our younger son was going to hang out, too. He he loved being with them. And... uh, Boy, I'll tell you, they, you'd be impressed, I think. They, we all like them so much. They're polite and humorous and loyal and strong. Let me just say that again. Very strong. You know, we forget that sometimes about Marines, or, or we never knew it. They're very, very strong. They don't have to wear uniforms on a holiday, but anyone who doesn't know they're Marines is just plain stupid. First, they've got the high and tight haircuts, you know what that is. Well, it's high and tight, tight on the sides and a little bit, either a half inch or an inch higher on top. Second, they're built like, well, finish the sentence. Brick outhouses. Yes, that's right. I said outhouses, but they're so strong. Any one of them could win Mr. America without even training. And fourth, I'm telling you, they're so strong, they're beyond strong, they're like circus strong. My wife asked one of them to help her to get a couple of the other fellows, and that uh, a handful of them could help her move a piece of furniture from the uh, living room, she wanted to move it, to the other end of the house, to my son's room, the Marine's room. And he said, uh, yes, ma'am, Mrs. Miller. By the way, they said, thank you. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. They said everything just right. Uh, Thank you, Mr. Miller. Yes, sir. And I kept looking around. Who just came in? But my wife asked this one guy to do it. And this is the fella. Boy, oh boy, great guy from Iowa. He grew up in classic farm life and was strong from that. But boy, this guy, Norman Rockwell could do a great portrait of him, about 6'3", and forged in steel. I mean, he had the greatest smile, the greatest laugh, but you wouldn't want to arm wrestle with this guy. And my wife asked him, he said, uh, yes, ma'am, Mrs. Miller, and uh, she walked away to get something else loaded. She'd bought more food for them for that night. And the thing is, he moved it. He didn't get any of the other friends. He moved it. He picked it up himself, and this was a heavy big thing with concrete in it. It was heavy. 
and he carried it to the other end of the house, and I'm telling you, there wasn't a red mark on his face. I mean, he wasn't straining on this. He just picked it up. You could you could have stopped him and said, hey, hang on a second, and just read him a chapter of a book, and we, he would have stood there holding it. And you know that? I, I'm telling him, my, my wife saw him do this. She said, well, did you move that? He said, yes, with the other fellows. And he said, no, I just picked it up. I saw him pick it up. And my wife looked shell-shocked for the next two hours, just looking at him. What, what do these guys eat? What do they do? And she finally said to me, I don't think we should ask them to do things anymore because they just do them. And it's a little frightening. I think the way he picked that up, that I think I think the kid from Iowa could do that with tanks. And which is part, probably part of what they're trained for. But folks, I'm telling you, I mean it, the sweetest kids in the world, they're all 19 and love to laugh. Tough as nails, though. When they went swimming, we have a pool. And when they went swimming, and my younger son was in there with all of them, and uh, I'm telling you, they looked like they were attacking something. They looked like the Russians were around the corner. And uh, when they, all their games in the pool involved... Punching and strangling. I mean, that's they're tough guys. When they punched each other, I'm telling you, they they just slowed the punch down a little so they didn't kill someone. That was my only message to them, by the way. I walked outside and I said, listen, uh, I might as well give you the rules right now because I know you're going to start playing some games in here. So here's the rules. It's just one rule. No death. No death. Don't kill anyone. Don't kill yourself. Don't kill anyone. There is... Not allowed to be any death here. And they all said the same thing. Yes, sir, Mr. Miller. And I'm t- they were so strong. And, by the way, I think they got an idea. <laughs> Once they were in the pool, one of them said, Hey, how about underwater chicken fights? And I, and I hadn't heard of that. I know what a chicken fight is, where someone climbs on someone else's shoulders and then you, well, fight. But underwater chicken fights thrilled them. They all went... That's a great idea, underwater chicken fight. So remember, they're all, they're still kids. They're 19. They just happen to be very, very strong Marines and hungry, too. There has never been such a thing as a Marine who wasn't hungry. You could pick a Marine out who just came back from a wedding and an eating contest. Ask him if he was hungry, and he'd say, yeah, what do you got? But but there's no reaction there. There's no, when they're really stuffed, they don't look stuffed. They're just smiling. It's the same as always. My wife made a big dinner every night. God bless her. She made a, a just a big dinner for them. So there were six of them, uh, including my 16-year-old. And they ate like circus strongmen. I'm telling you, they didn't, they, they didn't stop. They never stopped eating. I mean, they'd put the napkins on the lap. They were very polite. And then they'd lower their heads to the plates, which were, well, piled with food. And they started shoveling and started eating. And for every meal, every one, especially the big ones at night, they kept eating like buffalo until my son said, okay, stop, stop, and then they would stop. They would stop the eating. And by the way, again, they looked fine. They didn't look full. They could have kept going. and But they were fine. They would stop 
and uh, they'd bring their dishes in and uh, put things else in containers, they put whatever was left over. And uh, and then at the next meal, by the way, they all sat back down, put their napkins in their laps again, and uh, thanked my wife and thanked me. And my son said again, their Marine pal, okay, go, go. And they just started eating again. And they would they would eat until he said stop. But that I just thought that was cute. I thought it was adorable. And they, boy, tough guys. They slept anywhere. They slept anywhere in any shape. And uh, we had set up a couch upstairs. And but they all liked sleeping in the den together. There and they couldn't. You could put them anywhere. They could have slept upstairs in a closet like a bat. And I'm telling you. There was one on a fold-out couch. There was one on another couch. This is in the living room, rather the den downstairs, with the TV on. And uh, one was given the uh, the couch upstairs with, you know, sheets on it. And I, I've, I've slept there many times for different reasons, by the way. But I have slept on that couch. And uh, he didn't want to be away from them, though. I think that was very, very meaningful. I think it was very, very cool. It impressed me a lot that uh, they could sleep anywhere. And he would rather sleep on the club chair with a pillow and it's kind of scrunched down. And the dog, uh, God bless him, our, our our dog, Ozzy, just loved these guys. In fact, when that one get, went to sleep on the club chair, he would always just hop up and cuddle with him and sleep with him. He wanted to do that, and the guy liked him a lot, and he loved Ozzy. So you know what? That's what they did. And uh, they loved, by the way, speaking of eating, they loved all the local restaurants, especially the low-grade ones. I mean, when I say low-grade, I mean they didn't go to fancy restaurants. They didn't need to. They could like a fancy place. But, oh, there's one on Ventura Boulevard called The Infield, which is uh, for hot dogs. And, boy, and it's a good place to go, by the way. Small, very small. There's no inside to it. There's some stadium chairs from baseball stadia all over the country. And there's two from Cincinnati and two from Chicago and two from L.A. I think that's it. I think they have six of them. And they could order. They could walk up to that window in their big strapping, well, marine frames, and they ordered a ton of food. And they they would do that. They loved they loved it. And again, and they were fine after. They looked just fine. They didn't have to go to sleep to digest the food. They would come back after a huge meal, enough to win a contest. They they'd come back, and wrestle for two hours, in the house, you know. And then they'd go outside. And I told them the same thing, you know. I would say, just don't wrestle on the concrete, uh, wrestle on the grass. And remember, no death. So there's no death here. Don't kill anyone. And they didn't think of that as kidding. They just said, yes, sir, got you, Mr. Miller. And uh, there was no weakness, no fatigue. They would punch and punch and punch each other until my wife finished cooking the next meal. And again, didn't look different. There was uh, no fatigue, looked, looked the same. They just washed up, put the napkins in the lap, and started eating when my son said, go. So... Oh, by the way, Saturday night, they all went to a high school friend of my son's for a party. All of them. And uh, one of his Marine mates was at the barbecue, running the barbecue. They run everything, and they're good at it. 
but he was running the barbecue, and my son and the one running the barbecue pretended to get violently mad at each other, but it was a joke, and then they started fighting, real fighting. But again, that was a joke, too. But one of the girls there called the cops, and the cops came. They didn't, they didn't know it was a joke. And, well, they're good. They're Marines. They're good at fighting, whether for real or as a joke. So my kid told them, that uh, told the, the police that it was just a Marine joke, and then they left. They went back to the station. And, uh, and by the way, at the party there, no one was mad at them. They invited them back. These guys, though, were just so much fun to be with. They slept late, which was cute. I thought it was. It was just these huge, muscular, tattooed, 19-year-old bodies all over the place, draped over things, and deep sleep. Couldn't be awakened. They got up when they wanted to. And they got up, and then it's, but just slept late. The dog would sleep with the guy on the club chair or... In the morning hours, once it was light out, because you couldn't wake them up. They just got up when they wanted to, and uh, the dog would just sit there and look back and forth at them, sit in the middle of the floor in the den, wait, waiting for them to wake up and play or eat. The dog had the same feeling about food. And now they're back on base. By the way, this was a... <clears throat> excuse me. This was a... One thing was a big surprise to me. They weren't filthy, which means that, you know, these big, tough 19-year-olds you'd think might be dirty, but the toilets were fine, no messes, no extravagant smells, I mean, nothing. And not good cleaners, though, in the house. They would bring their plates up, but they they had to be yelled into cleaning. And I did that a couple of times because they were, you know, they were tough guys. I'd say, hey, where are you going? Get up from there and come over here and this. And then my kid, the, the the Marine, said to me after a couple of times, he just said to me, you know what, Dad? I'll do it. You can uh, you can relax. I'll get him to clean up. And I, and I did that. You know, I said, okay, whatever you say. And he would do that. He would go downstairs or out back, and he would, well, read them the, the Marine Riot Act. And there was no death. God bless them. They were great. They had the underwater chicken fights. They had the fights at another party. And by the way, I watched those underwater chicken fights. I didn't know what they were. I watched them do it, and I still don't know what they are. I'll be honest. I watched it for about 10 minutes, and I, I just couldn't figure it out. But they did say every time, yes, sir, Mr. Miller, no death. So you know what? They are welcome back anytime, and that's not just lip service. They'd be welcome here anytime. I know that, and you know that. But we know the same things anyway. Homer is Homer. Pluto is a planet. And remember, as always, if you walked out of bed today and had a job to go to and a home to come back to and someone there who cares about you, folks, the game's over and you've won. And that's the truest thing I know. And especially with Marines. Be well and we'll see you here next time.